This is the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, and we are marking out the days as we present to you Weekend Warriors Episode 2 as we cover WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night from May the 2nd of 1992. I am one half of the Retrosexuals, the hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out at 2, another great show here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, and joining me, as always, the Dr. Frankenstein of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Kobe Nida, what's going on, man? What's up, Dave? I'm alive. Um, <laughs> well, I'm the Dr. Frankenstein, not the monster itself, but yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I could be a monster if you guys want me to. Um, oh, all right. I could turn heel real quick. Everybody beware. No, uh, seriously. How how you doing, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Pretty excited. I've uh, I've been enjoying uh, reminiscing on uh, our childhood. Yes. Um, from Saturday, you know, they as they say, Saturdays are for wrestling, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's been quite the it's it's been quite the nostalgic trip down memory lane uh, watching some of these shows, uh, you know, and trying to go back and remember if I even watched some of this stuff um, on Saturday mornings and Saturday evenings. So it's it, it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this. And I hope the uh, hope the listeners are as well because this has been a lot of fun for me so far and we're only on episode two we're on episode two so there we go yeah definitely um keeping up with the weeks as they go along um it's 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 gonna be fun definitely um i'm enjoying it as we are doing it and uh as we are doing other podcasts what's going on with kicking out at two and uh your shows we are we are hot and heavy as usual I, i keep a full schedule every week do my best and uh Last week, we had a WCW Spring Stampede 1997 watch party over in the archives over at uh, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2, as well as our, our Twitter, Twitter handle at Kicking Out 2, as well as SoundCloud.com. And it will soon be up on the Podbean stream over for uh, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network channel over there on Podbean. That's right. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but this week, we dropped um, uh, Talking Them Into the Seats. Uh, where we discuss some of the, 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 the most infamous wrestling talk show moments in history. Uh, we cover the good, we cover some of the head scratchers, and we discuss the importance of these moments in wrestling storylines over the years from Piper's Pit to the Heartbreak Hotel, the Funeral Parlor, the Barbershop, Flair for the Gold, uh, the, the Flower Shop. You know, Very you cool. name it, we cover all of them. Uh, my cousin Bill Brown joins me, and uh, you know, we have uh, we, we had a, we had a good old time discussing. Uh, you know, what I loved more than anything was this was one of the shows I wanted to do so badly when I started my podcast. I was like, I want to talk about the talk shows, and uh, I had a lot of fun going back and reminiscing on some of the. Um, the, the really cool moments and getting some getting some info and some dirt from Bill that I didn't you know I didn't even know existed because he's a few years older than me you know the origins of these wrestling talk mm-hmm. shows even before Piper's Pit so that's awesome it's a lot of fun go over there and find that in the archives um, like I said facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two and over at soundcloud.com and next week uh, we got a pretty fun show planned for you as my brother Daryl joins me and we discuss um, we're, we're going to the movies if you will it's called squared circle cinemas where we're going to be discussing uh, some of the, the biggest names in the history of professional wrestling to have had a feature role or a not so featured role in the world of 
movies and television. So we're going to discuss, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan and and I, I'm not going to spoil it too much. But uh, Daryl writes down a list of all these wrestlers that have, that he's watched in these particular movies, and he rates their performances, and we we, we reminisce about you know watching those movies so yeah that's a lot of fun you can find that next week over at kicking out it too and uh kobe my man what's going on in your neck of the woods very cool dave uh taking them to the seats did you use that theme for that <laughs> word i like that word no i like I that didn't. name I, I, yeah uh very creative cool, stuff huh? but yeah um can't wait for those to be on the podcast network and like you said we got some stuff going on with Hulkamania is dead. WrestleMania WrestleMania Seven just dropped. Um, that was the epic showdown between Ric Flair and Sting. And um, if you guys want to catch up with us there, Jimmy and I have booked that since 1984. We are in the year of 1991 right now, and we are gearing up for SummerSlam and Survivor Series. That'll be the next episode drop in episode 15, and we're going all the way to 1993. It's a wild ride, so. Uh, Stay with us and uh, hang in there. We got all the archive episodes that are available on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. That includes Kicking Out at Two. That includes the first season, Origin of Attitude, all the bonus episodes that we've done, and this Hulkamania is Dead epic. And some Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Speaking of Gaijin Wrestling Radio, you guys are going to be introduced to Match of the Month relaunching again. So I can't wait to do that again. I take a look at a special match from that month of any year could be current could be from the past and then kind of run down the guys and give you a little history of the gaijin or the foreigners if you will um from new japan roh or nxt or all the above so uh yeah stay tuned for that and uh everything appearing on this official launch on podbean um, so you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, searching Retromania with the W. And uh, yeah, we are here. We are we are live, baby. So yeah, you ready to get into the day, Dave? Yes, we are. We are all the way live, as they like to say. As they like to say in the 90s. That was a, that was a 90s term. Um, <laughs> well, as uh, we'll but... hear Virgil say, I'm all the way up. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> We'll get into that atrocity momentarily, <laughs> but let's let, let, let's talk about. All right, let's just get the death day out of the way. We got to come up with a new a new phrase to. You're right. You're right. To to recognize a death day. It's like a death day. I know. I just kind of did that bit from last week, but um, yeah. All right. So who died? Let's just get this one out of the way. The date of passing uh, says. May 1st, but uh, we're covering May 2nd, but it was on the day of May 2nd, so I'm not sure if it was May 1st or May 2nd, uh, but it was Sam Steamboat. Did this person start to pass away at 11.59 p.m.? Probably. And officially die at midnight? Probably. Okay. All right. <laughs> I so know. I guess it's a technically, yeah. Uh, unless I'm on the wrong damn day. I don't think I am. Uh, it is Sam Steamboat, real name Sam Mawahi Jr., he was Hawaiian superstar. It's just interesting, the name Steamboat there. He was a wrestler in the 60s and uh, 50s um, and wrestled for the WWWF and, uh, yeah, all around. So just interesting there that they chose the name Steamboat again for another superstar later. 
or that superstar. Or, or yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I no like... relation, though? None no, whatsoever? No, I don't think so. I, okay. I like that, though, when someone does that. Um, they use, like, a... When they pay... Like, they use the same name? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God. Depends on, it depends on your skill level and your talent. Like, like Arn Anderson, like, he took, you know, he took the Anderson name from Ole and Gene, yes. if I'm not mistaken. And obviously he formed it into his own. I didn't know that till years later. I thought they were legitimately related because Ole and Arn looked alike, except Arn wasn't as ugly as fucking Ole was. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and then uh, who you know? I think I want to say I want to say C W Anderson from ECW asked to adopt the Anderson name, and Arn Anderson gave him his blessing. Hmm. So um, yeah, I mean depend. I mean it depends on the, the level of talent, I guess, and you know if it's. You know, if you if you live up to the name, so to speak. But um, I mean, I didn't know much about Sam Steamboat, so clearly he didn't live up to the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat name, or he didn't make much of a. An he effort was to... he was before it, so yeah. I mean, yeah. It was before. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm I'm, to- yeah, I'm totally talking out of turn right now. Well, but, anyhow, speaking of yeah. other other names with other gimmicks, we've had uh, talks about this before, and we kind of made a, made a meme about it. Let's get to the birthdays for May second. Moon Dogs, <laughs> right? There was a lot of Moondogs. Yep. Uh, but this was the yeah. original Moondog. Moondog Rex. Um, other known, otherwise known as Randy Cooley. Or Coley. Um, he wrestled as Moondog Rex. He also wrestled as the Mongolian. Or I believe... I believe the Mongolian. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... You know, I I vaguely remember the Moon Dogs, and I didn't know there was about seventy four of them. So, um, until until you've dropped some of this knowledge on me uh, recently, but um, yeah. no, I'm sorry. He was. I thought. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm I'm confused. Uh, he was the he was the original Moon Dog, and then he was one of the original members of Demolition. Uh, he actually started. I vaguely the remember hearing yeah. that. He actually started. And then the Smash, re- Smash replaced him, right? Barry Darcel. Yep. Yeah, he was the original okay. Smash, though. Um, so yeah, and he came up with the gimmick, the face paint, and everything. So, uh, Moondog Rex, happy birthday! All right, moving on. He's a big, mean, nasty guy. Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man, Big Bubba. The Guardian, the Angel, Happy Birthday, May second. The boss, yes, you the forgot boss. the boss Sorry. too. He w- he was just the boss. We've had this discussion. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> happy Birthday to the man of many gimmicks, uh, a big hoss fighter, a wrestler. You know, he came into the scene in um, in our timeline originally from marking out the days when he was Big Bubba, correct? That is correct. Yes, it is. Um, big Bubba. No trouble. They're <laughs> um, all trouble. I don't know. But, yeah, um, I, my first introduction to him was the big boss man. Then I would later find out he was Big Bubba Rogers. Um, and then he went through many incarnations of different, uh, um, you know, characters and gimmicks. Um, yeah, the boss then became the guardian angel. Then he became Big Bubba again. Uh, yeah, it was... 
You know, then, then he went back to WWF, became the big boss man. He was Mr. McMahon's, like, you know, bodyguard. Oh, I like that uh, era, so. too. That was pretty good. I thought that was good. He was pretty rugged. Yeah, I thought that was solid. Um, one of my favorite moments is when he was the big boss man was when he um, he read a, a sympathy card to uh, Big Show after Big Show's dad had died. Um, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. This shows how cold of a human being I am. Um, and I actually remember this word for word. If you'd like me to read the card, I'd be glad to. Go ahead. All right. With deepest regrets and tears that are soaked, I'm sorry to hear your dad finally croaked. <laughs> yeah, he was um, a vicious heel at he, the time, like beating up on Al Snow, oh, yeah. like even the stuff with Hardcore Holly, like the stuff with Big Show is definitely the most notable, I think. Um, even the brawls with Undertaker weren't bad, even though they did escalate it into that kennel from hell, but and he got choked out, which is... Uh, crazy to... i thought the kennel from hell was without i'm Snow sorry because of I'm the sorry. dog who got hung though i could be mistaken oh yeah that was yeah that was hell in the cell at wrestlemania okay. with uh and you know what me made that match even worse was the fact that they were trying to it was it had to follow the last hell in the cell which was the one when taker threw foley off the cage yeah. everyone expected a big stunt after that like boss well, man that was, was a big stunt cage or something though. well the hanging, yeah. I mean, and to be honest with you, I didn't mind it. I mean, it went along with that dark, hell yeah, you know, it was, edginess it, it was of the Undertaker character. It was, but it made you know what I mean. Like it, it got a reaction. Mm-hmm. I just think the fact that the rest of the match sucked. People, people shit on the finish with that, with with him being hung in the middle of the, um, the middle of the ring. Yeah. Um, speaking of a guy that was hot around the same time, the Attitude Era. Kind of one of the the uh, helms of the Attitude Era. One of the uh, people place him on the the flagships. Yeah, and pe- people place him on the um, the Mount Rushmore of greatest wrestlers of all time. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Flex Cavana, <laughs> Rocky Maivia. Maivia. That's right. Born on this day in 1972 in California. So he's a Hollywood boy originally. Hey, he moved around quite a bit. Um, but the only reason why I know that his birthday was May the 2nd was the famous uh, This Is Your Life um, skit with him and Mankind <laughs> on that episode of Raw. Yeah. And Mankind thought he was throwing him a birthday party. And he goes, The Rock's birthday is May 2nd, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> and I just thought it was hilarious, just like his delivery and the way he said it. Like, there you go again. I'm a cold person thinking all these, you know, bad thoughts. But, um, yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. So that's the only reason why I know it's The Rock's birthday, because of the fact that he said it that one time on that This Is Your Life skate, even though it wasn't his birthday at that time. But, yeah, I mean, goes without saying, man, transcended the business. It's a huge movie star. Um, everything he does is big time. Um, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about Rock? He was one of the first, one of my favorites. Well, one of the first African-American WWE champions, not, 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 not fully African-American, but definitely one of the first. Um, so, yep. Yeah. He, um, I mean, damn, like, and you know what? Like I don't make, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, the, the Mount Rushmore argument. I don't have an issue with people putting him on the Mount Rushmore because 
Look at the impact he made in the short amount of time he was oh in the God, business. People you still know what I mean? quote him. If you smell, listen up, yeah. jabroni. Shut your mouth and know your role. Like, I mean, it goes on and on. It's like, oh yeah, he's timeless, dude. Uh, well, yeah, some it's, of the it's, stuff it's going back is kind of uh, uh, it's kind of homophobic and sexist, but uh, <clears throat> misogynistic. But yeah, it, it was that time. But you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, th yeah, exactly. During that time period, like I, I watched the old Raw recently a while back where he was he there was a skit with him and Mankind. They were rock and sock at the mm -hmm. time. And um, the, the the way the camera angle was positioned, um, it looked like, you know, the rock was they had Mankind and Rock sitting side by side with each other. And Mankind was like trying to muster up the strength to tell the rock that, you know, we're done as the rock and sock connection. We need to go our separate ways. And every time Mankind said something, the rock would respond. And um, then at the end of the conversation, the rock pulled his phone out and he was talking on this like little tiny cell phone that like his hand just engulfed and mankind like walked away thinking that he accomplished something in this conversation but it turns out the rock was just talking to somebody on the yeah. phone the timing of it i just thought was pretty hilarious and good. at the end of the conversation ma mankind leaves and the rock goes to the guy on the phone he's like i apologize about that mankind's half a retard <laughs> and <laughs> And in 1999, that was pretty funny because, unfortunately, that term was accepted. Nowadays, that's not an acceptable term to be using right. um, when you're when you're talking about people with disabilities. So, but like you said, it was that time period. Like he, he's for the most part, he has timeless you know material. But there's other things too that like you look at, and it's probably not the best, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, from a politically correct standpoint. So, but yeah, man, Rock was Rock was ahead of his time. In my opinion, he's like he's in the top five of the greatest talkers of all time. Uh, he just, you know, he was he's on another planet, like what he was able to do with the microphone and his ability to connect with an audience. And yeah. I mean, there's nothing it, I can't find anything bad to say about the guy. He, really, he's just unbelievable. And, you know, I was kind of disappointed that he left to go to Hollywood. But I mean, do you blame him? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. Um, yeah, definitely a guy who. Wow. You just, I, yeah, yeah, can't say enough about him. Sorry, no, I took yeah, it all from you. It's all good. <laughs> um, so happy birthday to The Rock. All right, well, um, that is the cycle of wrestling with the passings and the birthdays. Ready to get into the actual day here, May 2nd, 1992. That's right, I am. Let's do it, man. Let's go back. Let's take that bus back to Saturday morning. Mm. Um, roughly 10 o'clock. Yeah. 10, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, to, to, to Kalamazoo, Michigan and WWF Superstars. Hell yeah, man. Um, we're here with Vince and Mr. Perfect. And they are our commentators throughout the night. Not a good, I mean, not a bad pairing. You know, they work off of each other pretty well. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't mind it. Perfect had some good one-liners, and uh, he played up the heel commentator role pretty well. Um, you know, anybody... I think, honestly, I'm not saying that this is a... Uh, that, that I, I mean, I, I guess you could call this a compliment to Vince, but Vince pretty much worked well with everyone. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, with Jesse, with Bobby, with Perfect... I even dug the stuff he did with Randy Savage and and, um, and Roddy Piper when they were a three-man booth, even though it was pretty wild. Um, I dug that stuff, too. You know, uh, 
uh, Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross. Like Vince didn't really have like a bad, you know, a, a bad pairing with anyone on commentary. No, not at all. Um, he really did know how to play off of everybody pretty well. I mean, he created yeah. those characters, so, you know, it's just like him in his room playing with toys. Anyhow. <laughs> um, in the show, we get... So you're saying he was playing with himself? Pretty much. Hey, pal. Okay. The, vas- hey, the pal. vascularity, though. Hmm? Close the damn door! <laughs> um, Patterson, get in here. You can stay. <laughs> Oh, Vince, you want me to, uh, to, to, to touch you on the, the bottoms? You know, like the toy boy, the Shawn Michael guy. Yeah, that's right. I had him in the dressing room. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, his first yeah. appearance on Weekend Warriors, Pat Patterson. <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> How are you? How are everybody? I'll be right back. I'm going out for my fourth cigarette break. All right, thank you. Um, all right, let's get into the matches. We have the birthday boy, Coming up first, Big Boss Man out against Mark Roberts, no relation to Jake. Um, he's the law and order of the WWF, says Vince. That'd be a pretty cool yeah. crossover. Like a dum dum, I'm here <laughs> trying to solve the case, you know, like <laughs> to protect and serve. That's a special victim, right? Where's my partner? Ice T. <laughs> they would not get along at this time. Play a, I'm over here. Yeah, 1992, <laughs> I don't think that they would get along. I think body count just dropped. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, but that'd be an interesting show. We can book it. Um, stay tuned, everybody. Retromania. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Bossman cuts a picture-in-picture promo while he's having this match but it's about the convict and we talked about them uh him before and that is going to be nails and he'll be ready yes. and vince says whomever this man is he gets out this week oh that's not really safe working environment vince why would you bring him in yeah you, yeah you're yeah you're promoting you know I mean, bless Vince's heart that he's given, you know, uh, an ex-convict a job. I mean, most ex-convicts have a hard time finding work when they get out of prison. So, you know, bless Vince's heart that he's going to give the guy, you know, some some some, uh, some employment. But, man, like you're, you're really asking for trouble when you're when you're you're, you're promoting violence yeah. like that from an ex-convict. I mean, my goodness, like what's this, a wrestling show or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sidewalk slam, for one, real. two, three, big boss wins. Um, then we go to this, uh, it's Mean Gene. He's pimping the WBF magazine. That's the world, but that's not the only thing he's yeah, pimped. Yeah. They're going to have an event in June and it, yeah, I, I guess. I think that's what I was kind of talking about on last week's show mm-hmm. when they kind of had like that posed down pay-per-view with like the storylines and shit yeah. and like. Yeah, I think that was what it was. Like it, it only happened one time. So like, stay tuned. God, we'll be like... having promos leading up to that in June. <laughs> uh, then Mean Gene recaps the Berserker and Undertaker's encounter from last week, which was pretty epic. Uh, nearly stabbed him in the fucking head with a sword. Uh, Berserker and Fuji have a promo, and Berserker got his hands and his shield on the Undertaker, and next time. He won't take it easy on him. Huss, huss, huss. And then we recap that sword stabbing into the mat spot, which was 
something else at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, like, like I said last week, when I was a kid wrestling, I was guaranteed that nobody was getting shot, stabbed, or murdered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they made a liar out of me on that day. <laughs> then we get a, a return promo from Paul Bear and The Undertaker. When you knocked on the devil's door, did you expect the reaper? Rest in peace. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, very cool stuff. His makeup was uh, pretty extra here, though. Who, oh, Paul Bear or Undertaker? Both. Uh-huh. Yeah, this was the time. Uh, speaking of extra makeup, we get Papa Shango out. To go against Red Tyler. That's not Red Titus. It's Red Tyler. Everybody, Red Tyler. Red Tyler, a related, probably a distant cousin of the O'Doyle family from the fucking <laughs> Billy Madison movie. Good call. Uh, we get, Jesus Christ. We get a big leg drop from Papa Shango and a shoulder breaker of sorts. One, two, three. Mister Perfect talks about the tattoos. He's like, "What do you think those tattoos mean?" But those are pretty detailed and, uh, like, you know, nice line work and colored for 1992's sake for people having arm work done and a lot of tattoos at the time. At the time, I mean, it was, like, taboo to have a tattoo in the 90s. Like, if you had a tattoo in the 90s, you were a bad boy, you know what I mean? You were, you know, a, a or Or BSK. You know. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, that's right, or <laughs> BSK, that's right, the Bone Street crew. Uh, it turns out that their little gang was all about them fucking playing dominoes in the back of a bus. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I mean, I remember as a kid, Papa Shango used to be very intimidating mm-hmm. looking. And, like, the whole voodoo vibe, like, people shit on it. And it's like, oh, it's a terrible gimmick. But, like, it's wrestling. Like, if you – like, and I always go back to this. But if you believe that Undertaker was really dead, like, they were trying to portray us that it was really dead. But you're going to say Papa Shango sucked? Then you shouldn't be watching wrestling. No, you're anymore. right. You know I, what I he mean? definitely captured like, me and was like, "Oh, you know, startling." Like, and and to be and let's be fair to all those armchair bookers out there that are like around our age, like in our thirties. Did you all fucking think that? Did you even know what the word gimmick meant at nine or ten years old in 1992? No, you didn't. So shut the fuck up. Next, uh, we go to the event center with Sean Mooney, and he talks about. The El Matador and El Matador Tito Santana cuts a promo and he's like, being a matador was way harder than my martial arts training. So he has to get trained for each gimmick that he goes into. Speaking of gimmicks, <laughs> but uh, so hold on. So what was he training as when he was a member of Strike Force? Martial arts. But he never wrestled as a martial artist in Strike Force. All right, so so he's brown he skin, goddammit, it, and he's close enough to it. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm I just know. trying to understand these cultural barriers it's here that crazy. we're that we're going. And he goes, "Ole." Yeah. And then Sean Mooney says, "El Sid." And <laughs> it cuts to Sid and Harvey Whippleman and Sid Justice is challenging anybody in his promo. Hmm, interesting stuff. Yeah. Warrior Undertaker cuz he's the top man, and he's the top dog and he's the man in the WWF. What do you think about Sid and yeah. Undertaker around 92? Um, I, you know, I was, I originally thought, I, I think I've told you this. I originally thought that was going to be a match at WrestleMania, um, by the way that the, um, 
you know how it how it kind of got started when Sid, you know, saved Macho Man from Jake and Undertaker crashing the wedding, and Sid was kind of like, you know, defending those guys. Like I thought that we were going to see Sid and Undertaker at that WrestleMania. At least that's the the perception that I got as a kid. Um, recently, I watched the UK Rampage on the WWF Network from WWE Network from 1992, um, and they had a pretty solid match. During that time period, this was not too long after that WrestleMania. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I mean, I dug it. I, did, I I always thought Sid was very intimidating and Undertaker was starting to grow on me as a good guy at that time. So, yeah, I, I thought it was some pretty decent stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, it would have been nice for a Mania match then, though, but they did it years later. Um, yeah, and that sucked. <laughs> All right, then Tatanka has a match against Brian Costello. Mr. Perfect says, Do you know how to tell the difference between the Braves and the Chiefs? The Braves got far, five cars turned over in their lawn, and the Chiefs got ten. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. That joke wouldn't go over today in 2019. Uh, neither that. would the rest of this angle right here. Rick the model Martell comes out. Uh, no, he has a picture-in-picture promo, which I'm going to call now for for here on out. It's going to be called a PIP. So, he has a PIP. P-I-P? Picture-in-picture. Talking about the smell. Look at that Indian. He smells so bad. I'm going to give him a spray (laughs) with an extra bit of arrogance. It's like, oh my god, dude. Tomahawk chop onto Costello from Tatanka, then a backdrop that like little Samoan splash one two three we get Tatanka in for the win and then explain to me what goes on here next with Rick Martell post-match pretty much Martell's taunting Tatanka um, and then he uh, he proceeds to spray the arrogance in Tatanka's eyes and uh, attacking him after this match um, and stealing one of the ceremonial feathers from Tatanka's headdress, um, his Native American headdress, if you will. Yeah. And uh, we're kind of off to the races there at that point. Um, they, I mean, they they had a they had a match at, at that WrestleMania that year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was a solid match, so I guess they were furthering along the storyline. But, um, yeah, they kind of went to the well with the with the whole blinding of the arrogance, similar to uh, the, the Jake Roberts issue from a year prior. Definitely. And then Martell takes the eagle feathers and uh, sprays them and puts them in his hair and says, I'm a trendsetter. Yeah, for white girls at Coachella. Um, definitely. <laughs> definitely a trendsetter. Hey, man. The model Rick Martell, I'll I tell know. you, people don't give that guy enough credit. He was, in my, I mean, great athlete. No, um, he was great here. And the, the model character, like, I used to hate him. I used to want to see somebody kill him. You know what I mean? Like, it was, as a kid, like, he was easily hateable. Like, and he's another one that, like, they need to put him in the Hall yeah. of Fame. I don't know why that, yeah. excuse me, why that hasn't happened yet. Not sure. But uh, moving along, Virgil has a meaty and saucy promo. He's, I want to thank the people. I started from the bottom, and now I'm working to the top. That's a Drake song. All right. So he's predicting the future there. He's like, I, I, I see belts, people, money, meat sauce. I want it all. He doesn't say meat sauce, but I added that in there. He says, I'm all the way up. Wow, that's another rap song. So he's a 
catchphrase machine at the time in 1992. Virgil. Yeah, meanwhile, he was stealing MC Hammer's too legit to quit catchphrase as well. Yeah, <laughs> some fucking trendsetter there. Virgil, please. Shawn Michaels is with Sherry, and they have a promo. Shawn Michaels challenges Brett the Hitman Hart. Mm. It's a Bruin. Yeah, I thought that was pretty... I thought that was pretty cool. You know, you know, what I was thinking about when I was watching these, um, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, these event centers with Sean Mooney, they used to be like the local advertisements for when the WWF was coming to your area. Yeah. Chattanooga. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like they would have like Mooney in the in the studio, and he would say, you know. Baltimore, Maryland, Friday night, such and such, 1992, whatever. And then he would pitch it to, you know, the the green screen promos, as I like to call them, with the guys in front of their logos. Even though at this time, Shawn Michaels didn't have a green screen logo. He just had the um, the standard WWF logo. But, yeah, clearly they were in the, the – um, they're in the driver's seat to make him a big deal in the singles role and have him call out Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title. Uh, yeah. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, but my how things would change within the year, and we will see. Um, back from the commercial after that little main event center, Tatanka's eyes are still burnt, and they're backstage trying to tend to him from the arrogance being sprayed in his eyes. Then we have Money, Inc. with Jimmy Hart. That is IRS and Ted DiBiase, the tag team champions, against Ron Cumberledge and Chris Hahn. Clothesline from IRS, one, two, three, nothing to see there. But uh, we get a recap of WrestleMania 8 with Ric Flair kissing Liz and getting slapped. And then we get a recap of the match and the ending there. And uh, Ric Flair was busted open, huh? Something you didn't see much in the main event of WrestleMania. Uh, no, and I believe at that time, I've, I don't know if you've ever heard the famous story from Flair, but they weren't supposed to get color mm-hmm. um, in that match, um, or at all. Like, I, I, Brett got color earlier in the evening from Piper, and that was an accident, even though Brett reveals later that um, he did it on purpose um, and just hit it very well. But Flair got color for no reason, and uh, he got his ass chewed out backstage by Vince. And I guess this was right around the time when they were starting to really dig their heels in before the steroid trial. So they wanted to um, they wanted to do away with the blood, but Flair thought it was needed during this match. Um, what do you think? But yeah, it was pretty. It, it was a personal rivalry, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, to, like I said last week when we talked about it, they took something very quickly and made it personal personal and they made it even more interesting because of the, the the change in the card like in the middle of you know the the build-up you know originally it was hogan and flair and then they changed it to a double main event hogan sid macho flair for the yep. title and then they did then they did the whole magazine angle with the pictures and they were off to the races so like it was very personal very quickly and i remember as a kid like just you know because i was a big randy savage fan I couldn't wait to see him get his hands on Ric Flair. So it made, in me, in my opinion, I didn't have a problem with it. It made sense. Like, Savage tried to kill him, and that means if he drew blood, he drew blood. It makes sense. Definitely, definitely. Speaking of Savage, Mean Gene has a guest on the podium with the fans live in front of the audience. I love these little spots. We need these back. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, the World Wrestling Federation champion, is his guest. 
Um, what happens here? For the first time in WWF history, the champion's gonna call out the challenger. Ugh. Yeah. A little different there. Yeah. He challenges pre- Ric Flair. Yeah. The champion. Well, I mean, if you go back and watch WrestleMania, uh, you know, they had the post-match where him and Elizabeth were being interviewed by Mean Gene, and he was, and Savage, you know, was like, you know, he didn't get enough, so he wanted more Flair. So I was, I mean... I liked it. I thought it was good, and it just it, it it lets you know that you know their issues aren't done with yet. So, yeah, good stuff there though by Macho Man. I love that outfit too. His color coordination and just you know scheme and design, everything. He's way ahead of the curve. Oh, the presentation was unbelievable. That's what kind of drew me to him is like his color scheme and like. Dude, this was you know, so the, the, cool. There was like six or seven different designs on you know three pieces of clothing that he had <laughs> yeah it's wild like honestly like i you know i like to collect things like wrestling memorabilia and stuff and if there's ever one thing that i'd love to collect that's like a holy grail is probably like something randy savage oh, wore yeah. That'd be like whether awesome. it's a hat or a jacket or like his tights or something like i know wwe has a lot of that think stuff. of the detail like um, he probably he, i don't know who he had like he must have i've talked about this with jimmy before i got a special guy he does my seams you know like he does them real tight it's the design, like, I give him little ideas, and then, you know, yeah. I can see him being yeah, really involved a, with his stuff. He had a guy that just did spandex, because that's what it was. It was spandex. Yeah, and they were just, like, uh, crazy designs, though. Yeah, just unbelievable. All the neon and the colors, man, like, that was so 90s, like, but it was so mm-hmm. cool. Like, I used to... I used to want to look and be like Macho Man, like, just by the way he dressed, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he was... He he got your attention just by how he, how he, how he looked, and if you never heard him talk, like you'd still be gravitated to definitely, him just by how he definitely. looked. Definitely. Speaking of how they look and being neon, it's Crush. He has a promo about him loving baseball, and then we get those flashback black and white promos, I guess, of him as a kid, and he crushes the ball. Uh, but now he's in the WWF, and he's not playing games anymore. Okay. yeah i i do remember as a kid though with these promos i they worked i they worked but like i remember you know when they announced him as crush i was confused i was like he kind of looks like the crush from demolition but i'm not really sure but they haven't said anything i would love to have like face paint on him still like, if they did, like, the color scheme with, like, the orange and the purple and the yellow and, and, and stuff like that and kind of not did a total face paint job, but, like, Stinger. you know, enough to, like, yeah, something like Sting, yeah, you know, a little bit, not, you know, the whole thing. But, yeah, I thought that would have been pretty cool. But at the same time, you know, you go back and you think, well, you know, Ultimate Warrior was, you know, the only one with face paint in the WWF. Vince liked everybody to have individuality. Nobody could be the same. Nobody could look the same. So, um, so I mean, Crush getting face paint wouldn't have gone over until Warrior left. Then maybe if they decided to revisit that, that would be something interesting. Well, they but do. Go on, they continue. actually do because when Warrior leaves, guess what? Crush gets face paint. The silver and the he silver does? and red when he joins Yokozuna. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, so when he turned heel, yeah, when he was with when he was with Mister Fuji, yeah, okay, that's so, right. You are correct. Vince was like, "Hmm, we need a guy with face paint." No, yeah, 
Um, so the next match coming up is Tony Bennett and Dwayne the Berg Gill. That's actually just Dwayne Gill, but I like to call him Dwayne the Berg. I like the Berg. That's pretty good. They, I like that. They go against the newly formed tag team of the Birdman Coco Beware and the Rocket Owen Hart. High energy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that like really stands out for me for this match was, well, two things. One, they debut as a team, and not that I remembered this as a kid, but looking back and watching it now, they didn't have the same outfit. No, you know I mean? not You're yet. You're supposed to right? be a tag team. You know, like don't you don't you look the same? Like yeah, that's just just my like OCD coming into play. But the other thing too that like really got me was the the, the sloppy double drop kick. Coco drop kicked Dwayne Gill into Owen yes. Hart, <laughs> like launched him yep. um, with that drop kick. Yeah, Dwayne was uh, flopping so everywhere. He nearly hit somebody else earlier by flopping so hard. Um, yeah, but I mean. It was, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, one, two, three. Owen pins Dwayne, not The Rock, but The Berg. Um, yeah, then we go. The Berg says. <laughs> the Berg says. <laughs> then we get a preview of Body Stars. After all, a man does not live by iron alone. What the fuck does that you know mean? What? All right, first of all, I liked Sean Mooney plugging Body Stars better than Vince because it didn't sound as perverted. So, you know, I can take that, you know. There was no riding and sliding for Sean Mooney (laughs) this week. That's for sure. At least it sounded a little bit more professional and not like Vince was blowing his load while he was doing the audio piece over it. Like, for Christ's sakes. Like Sean Mooney sounded professional. Vince sounded like riding and sliding, food and fashion, fun in the sun for everyone until I come. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that's what it. Like Vince sounded like he was fucking double fisting himself while he was in, doing the the voiceover insert, for the insert goddamn the thing. picture of Vince in the bathing suit that's been floating around recently since the Vice Land documentaries. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Feeling riding and sliding. Later, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, but that fight looks like he stole fucking Jim Powers banana hammock when he was wearing that goddamn thing. <laughs> Holy Shit. cow! Yeah. Um, then we get to the main event here. It's Skinner. He comes out, and his opponent is the Ultimate Warrior, who is still fucking over like shit, but he's small. Like he looks like the body of Steve Simpson, or like I don't know. It's just not Warrior right here, right? That was when I was a kid where everyone you thought died. they brought in a second ultimate warrior because <laughs> the first ultimate warrior died. Like I still get friends of mine that like that used to watch wrestling that know I still watch it and they'll be like, Did Ultimate Warrior really die? Like, well in twenty fourteen, yes, but in nineteen ninety two, no. The motherfucker just got small. Like people still ask me that question to this day. Like I'm the one that's got the inside scoop. Hell yeah, man. It's crazy. <laughs> what a rumor though, that like that sticks with everybody. <laughs> it does. It's like one of those urban legends that people don't want to let go of. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like it's, it's crazy like Paul that... is dead. Uh, the documentary oh, about Paul McCartney being dead and replaced. Yeah, yeah. We should yeah. we should do oh, one yeah, called Warrior is Dead. So. Should we, like, book Warrior's death and then how his rebirth came? And then we could drop it on Easter next year? Yeah, definitely. That's a fucking genius idea. Marking out the days presents He is Risen. (laughs) Thank you. 
Oh my god. I'm just full of them today, baby. I'm full. I, I, I'm full of it today, baby. That Threadmaker Gene, Dustin Rose, and Lil Dick and Murdoch. We are full of it today, baby. Uh, this match is so fucking short. Skinner spits Chew at Warrior right off the bat, and it's like under his chin right and now. his neck. Ugh. I'll, t- I'll tell you something right now. If I don't care if wrestling's predetermined. If you fucking tell me you're going to spit chew and tobacco that came out of your mouth at me, I'm beating the shit out of you. Like, a and lot. it looks like he like, does. That, oh, it was fucking... Uh, oof. Just... Ugh. Yeah. He, uh, Warrior slams him twice and then throws him into the corner, and Skinner swallows the chew because he hit the corner buckle. Like, ugh. I don't think it's real chew, but still, whatever he fucking spit, like... That shit is still all over Warrior as the match continues. Clothesline from the Warrior, then a huge tackle and a big splash. One, two, three. Warrior wins in about like two minutes. Uh, what's going to happen when the Warrior locks up with Sid Justice? Who knows? Well, it never happened because I think Sid failed the drug test and quit, and then they moved Warrior on to something else. So, Yeah. yeah. I will say when I was a kid Skinner and Stan Hansen used to gross me yeah. out like I, I don't get grossed out by much that but like spit, Stan Hansen yeah. would have like oh god disgusting and he would like talk with it like halfway out of his mouth like those two like I would almost want to throw up just looking at the TV like I was gagging mm-hmm. like it was just disgusting like ugh, I couldn't stand it. Um, the Beverly brothers are with the genius. They got a promo on LOD never being big time again. And they're kind of not wrong. I mean, LOD, like as a team officially, like they kind of go to WCW and then they, you know, flounder around there, but they're never really like over again. And then they come back to WWF and they're still not like over again, you know? What, during this time period? 92? I'm saying 92, the Beverly's say, you'll never be big time again. And I'm saying after 92, they're kind of right. Like, as a tag team, as a whole, like, yeah, they were popular, but they were never the same LOD or the Road Warriors. No, no, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. They weren't. Um, There were a lot of different things that factored in. I mean, you know. Hawk went on his journey, his excursion. Yeah. Yeah, Hawk went on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went to go hang out with the Hells Angels in London uh, for a little while, and then Animal did his own thing, but then Animal got hurt, and he had a Lloyds of London, so he couldn't wrestle anymore, so they put Hawk with some Japanese wrestler. That didn't fucking work, and then they put the two of them back together, and yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean... Like- they just they lost i think i think them being away from each other for so long and kind of like bouncing around from different organization to organization um didn't help the situation yeah but and they the, hit the, the big time the, in it was, wwf that it came and went you know i did feel like that like their run in the 90s not the late 90s but the early 90s um I did feel like it was short. Even as a kid, I was like, what? Like, you know, like, like they're gone. Yep. Like, where'd they go? Like, I felt like, I mean, that's how fast sometimes wrestling was to us as Definitely. kids, you know, especially in, especially in the nineties, you know, but I was like, well, where'd they go? Where's the LOD? Like they were my favorites. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? You are right. You, Bo and Blake and, and, and the genius, 
that cocksucker. They must have teamed up yeah, with they, the, the new breed and uh, saw the future. Went to 2002. Did the genius, did the genius suck them off, too? <laughs> Probably. I wasn't going to mention it, like but he, he is very flamboyant. Like, but, yeah. Yeah, you ever heard, you've heard the rumor about how he could, how he could you know work his own gimmick. No, no, wow, you've never heard that. No, maybe there's a rumor. There's a rumor out there. I think I Iron Sheik said it once in a shoot interview. He Iron Sheik put him himself. himself. Yeah, he put it his he oh, yeah, the Pat Patterson helped him put the cock in his mouth. He fucking Japroni, I tell you, he licked the balls and I was like, oh, Randy, Randy, your brother is a homosexual. Oh my god! No, but he, he yeah, there was a rumor that he that he was able to that he was very flexible. Uh, let's just put yeah. it that way. Um, and he and he worked his own gimmick. Um, unlike his brother, he couldn't wrestle a lick. But unlike his brother, he could suck his own dick. <laughs> nice poetry. Nice poetry, dude. Oh shit. Uh, Bringing it back full circle here. Sergeant Slaughter cuts a promo. I want to thank the fans, and we don't get this enough. Like thanking the fans promos. Like, you know, I. I, I Nowadays or back nowadays. then? Nowadays. You know, like... Yeah, nowadays. Back then, all the baby faces kissed the fans' we need, ass. They even we had need fucking names again. for them. Not like Big necessarily, ben. like... I mean, Seth Rollins does it sometimes, but he does it like, you know, and this is our championship. We did it. Like, yeah. Because mm. I'm Seth freaking Rollins, Right, man. but I, I want, like... I want, like... I want to thank the fans. I want to thank you guys. Like, you know, I want, like... I want that fucking... That's a good Seth Rollins. Uh, you know, like, something like that brings it more direct rather than being, like, vague about it. Like, yeah, I'm a performer. My real name's Colby. And we got this. Like, you know, I, I don't know. They're just so weird. <laughs> WWF is so weird. Now, or WWE is so weird now. Seth, Seth Rollins sounds like Bart Simpson. <laughs> When 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 he says I'm Seth freaking Rollins, right. like like, it sounded like someone said, "Hey, let's come up with a catchphrase for Seth Rollins, and let's pretend like Bart Simpson came up with it." I'm Seth freaking Rollins, man. Like he should be Seth man. I'm Seth freaking Rollins. Who the he hell are you? He should be Seth man like, instead you know of Bart man, and have like a gimmick where he's masked. Or or he you know what Seth Rollins could do? He could start prank calling the local taverns oh, and dabbing. Iowa, like like Bart did to Moe's, and he'd be like, uh, "Yeah, um, is this uh, looking for? Uh, uh, I wanna, I wanna man to kiss. I wanna, I wanna row. Fucking... I wanna row man to kiss." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, we're we're going off the rails here. We gotta all right. Stop. Let's get back into it. <laughs> let's try to. Um, then Sergeant Slaughter directs his promo to the Mountie, and he says he wants the WWF Championship. Again, you just fucking had it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know, right? Sean Mooney, like let other people sh share. Right. Cocksucker. And then Sean Mooney gets on him. He goes, "Sergeant Slaughter is one of the most battle-scarred veterans in WWF, but he always walks around with his head and his chin held high, and then smirks." <laughs> it's like motherfucker. They had to get one on him. Oh, they always yeah, do. And then That's right hilarious. there, he tosses to Sergeant Slaughter again. And we have another Sergeant Slaughter promo. 
and he's talking about Ric Flair. And that's a puke. And he's another notch on Slaughter's stick. Ugh. The Slaughter stick. That sounds disgusting. Um, Ric Flair then returns, cuts a promo. He's styling and profiling. They don't like Sergeant Slaughter at all. That's him and Mr. Perfect. But look at the chunk that's missing from Ric Flair's forehead. That's the blade job I guess he did, or I don't know if it's hard way, but dude, it looks like about an inch of skin missing. Yeah, well, I looked at it closely because I remember you sent me the text. You were like, you have to look at this. Um, And part of it's a Band-Aid, and it's a pretty good-looking Band-Aid, too. Like, like it it, kind of blends in with, like, his skin tone. But then you see, like, right by the hairline, like, that that dry blood. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I believe, you know, these tapings that took place in Kalamazoo, Michigan, were, like, immediately after WrestleMania 8. So... Because uh, WrestleMania ran in the uh, Hoosier Dome yes. in uh, Indianapolis, so it's not too far from from uh, the Michigan area. So I'm guessing it was a fresh blade job from the WrestleMania Eight match, um, and they, you know, like they used to do back in the day, they taped like three, four weeks worth of TV in one spot. So um, yeah, that that was probably like the WrestleMania Eight blade job. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. So next week it'll be Ric Flair and Sergeant Slaughter going one on one interesting pairing huh that is a little bit of an interesting pairing and i will say that like in this era of wrestling and i didn't really um i didn't really you know uh pay attention to this particular issue at the time but um one thing that like fans today complain about is how like people just get like randomly thrown together into things like whether it be as a team or against one another as a kid I had no issue with these two wrestling each other for no fucking no, reason. No, I like you know stuff I mean? like that. Like it needs to happen yeah, more. The randomness of Yeah, the randomness of it like you know, I think made made the show that much more authentic, you know. For instance, there's another case where back in like the mid 90s when they used to do the in your house pay-per-views, they used to announce like a mid-card match or the main event at the end of the in-your-house pay-per-view that was going to take place at the next in-your-house pay-per-view. Well, like, well, let's talk. And and they, the guys weren't even thrown to get. The guys were just thrown together. Like I remember they announced like Shawn Michaels was going to wrestle Dean Douglas, but they didn't have a rivalry no, yet. You're right. You know. And let's talk about but, like this then, era, like 1992. Same thing we'll get in the later episode of Saturday Night. It's just Big Josh and Arn Anderson, best two out of three falls. Yeah. yeah, there was no issue between it's, the two. It makes of them, it feel. I think we, I think we go falls. back to this a lot, you and I, at least, where we like our wrestling mixed with a sports aspect feel. You know, yes. and I think yes. that that definitely that definitely ties into it. Is like throwing random guys together. It's like you need to see that more. It's not the same matches every week. You don't want to see Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton, or Randy Orton and Dean Ambrose over and over again, or Randy Orton and. I'm I'm not I'm mentioning Randy Orton, but you know you think about the same matches that you see over and over again. But like they could switch it up, you know, make it exciting. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think sometimes like simplicity, you know, and less is more, is 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 good for wrestling. At least in today's day and age, like you know, not everyone needs to have an issue like so deep rooted and personal it helps in certain scenarios but in other cases it doesn't like for instance and i know we're going a little bit off the rails here but in 98 i remember wcw 
DDP was the U.S. champion, okay? And one night he came out of the crowd and he called Benoit out and basically just said, you're one of the best in the world. I want to challenge myself and defend this title against someone like you. You deserve a shot at this championship. The two of them didn't have an issue prior to that. There was no inclination that Chris Benoit was going to be going after the United States championship until DDP came out and said, I want to wrestle you because you're one of the best. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, as simple as just that, I think can goes a long way in wrestling. And I think there's not enough of that. And sometimes the randomness of certain things, people complain, but I think that needs to come back into wrestling. Some random stuff, you know, just throw two guys together in the ring and see what happens instead of, you know, trying to film a, a vignette and give them a random thrown together issue that doesn't make sense yeah. and, and make it into something. You know what no, I mean? I agree. I think WCW actually does it pretty well around this time. Um, they also did it pretty well throughout their, their run. Um, if you will, sometimes it was yep. really random, but sometimes it was really good. You know, you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't run off the top of my head right now, but they had some, cool pairings every now and then or well consistently every that's why i would watch their program a lot because it's like it would mix up guys you know yep oh yeah uh let's get into wcw speaking of it's saturday night 605 live correct not live yes on tbs (laughs) yeah the superstation this is a two-hour edition of the show though Ugh. What the hell? Why not stick with the hour format? And there wasn't any particular reason why this was two hours, if I'm not mistaken, right? Please don't tell me it was because Jason Harvey was the guest I co-host. I think it Jim was. They, I think that they were trying to uh, milk it for all that it was worth. But yeah, Jason uh, Harvey is our fucking co-host from the Wonder Years. The shit brother. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he was the yes. prick. And he tries to play a prick Butthead. here, but you can see him trying to loosen up and getting comfortable in front of the camera. <sighs> Interesting stuff here, though. We'll go through it as we run down this episode. They recap Rick Rude and the Dangerous Alliance attacking Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat, not Sam. Um, and, the dragon. Yes. Uh, they cracked his cheekbone on the concrete, and it's like a move where... Just Rick Rude just slams his face into the concrete. And the allegations that are held that Medusa has against him. We'll see as we go along. Ricky Steamboat the Dragon. Yeah. That was a... um, I remember as a kid the visual of Steamboat's face getting uh, busted up like that and having to wear the mask. And I thought that was pretty cool and was very personal. Um, And... uh, Definitely got me interested more into this storyline. Definitely, um, like we said, Jim Ross is the host, and the guest host is Jason Hervey from the Wonder Years. Uh, Arn Anderson and Big Josh are going to have a main event, two out of three falls match against each other, or TV time remaining. But guess what? This is a two-hour show, so they kind of time the booking out correctly. Dusty, good thing you got your glasses on today. 
better get that shit. That, that, that's right, baby. If, if it's going to be, if Fuck, we all go two yeah. hours, then we're going to make sure that the main event is going to be all the way live from beginning to end. We ain't going to have no continuations the next day on WCW Pro or WCW Power Hour, if you know what I mean. We're going to have it all the way one, two, three in the middle of the ring, baby, on WCW Saturday. They call it a clean finish, not a dusty finish. But uh, That's right, baby. It's going to be clean like a baby's body. Yeah, and last week, you know, Barry and Steve, goddamn, we, you know, we had the TV time constraints, even though we controlled it and it was pre-taped. Why the hell did we do that? Even yeah. though the TV company owns the <laughs> wrestling company, they can do whatever the fuck they want. But we had some TV issues going on over here. We had to call billionaire Ted to tell him we needed more time and Ted didn't want to give it to us. So, you know, but even though the motherfucking company owned the wrestling company. There's still with issues. Yeah. Uh, Jason Hervey talks about being friends with Ted Turner and uh, and being friends with Dustin Rhodes and being a big fan of Dustin Rhodes, the natural. And then we toss to a match of Dustin Rhodes against Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Uh, the natural wins with a bulldog. It's... This shit was sloppy. Yeah. It was fucking sloppy. I was like, I don't know if... I don't know if the, the timing was off. There was no chemistry or Sergeant fucking Buddy Lee Buddy Parker Lee was Parker. shit-faced. Yeah. But, man, it was sloppy. We almost tripped over the ref. Dustin tried to – I remember there was one move, I think, like going into the ropes, and they both bumped into each other. You could tell Dustin was frustrated was, as shit. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was not happy with it. That's for sure. Uh, then we go back into the studio with Jim, and he welcomes Big Barry Windham. Uh, Jason goes – What's it like being in a tag team with Dustin? Oh, my God. It sounds so fanboy. Like, shut the fuck He's up. Like, you know, we're going for the tag team titles. We're just waiting for a tag team to sign the dotted line. And Jim asks, what about the TV title? And Barry says, I have goals, which I love. And we've talked about before. It's the sports aspect. You can be a tag team, but you can go for single titles as well. It just builds more depth yes. in the roster and storytelling. Yes. You know what I noticed, too, about this interview? And I don't know if you caught on to it, but Barry Windham was wearing Jesse Ventura's T-shirt. Oh, no, I didn't the, see the, that. The, so, and, and talk about comparing and contrasting both shows. Like, back in the WWF, if you wore a T-shirt, it was your own. It was promoting your own yeah, gimmick, yeah, yeah, your yeah, own yeah. brand. In WCW, this was more realistic well, people promoted and not so each cartoonish other. where... Yeah, like they were like Barry Windham wore a Jesse Ventura WCW T-shirt that was available at the, at the in the in the merchandise catalog. Like I just found that it very interesting and very telling of how the two companies allowed certain things or didn't allow certain things like that to to occur. No, I like that, and like you see that throughout WCW in the future too. Like guys always supported each other and wore each other's shirts. Yep, and you very rarely yeah. saw that in WWF unless it was part of the storyline, pal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, what about Missy Hyatt in this segment she's too? She's hot. She's so hot. But yeah. uh, she she's yeah. she's good at acting, and so does Paul, and so does Barry. They do a great job. There's somebody yelling from the crowd, is what you're talking about, and we hear him going, "Ah!" Yes, and she's ah! out there. In the but crowd. it's Paulie Heyman with a beard. And I like. Go ahead, explain. Oh, pretty much. Barry Wyndham was just trying to, you know. Um, get the message across that you know he's his goal is to destroy the dangerous alliance and he's you know he wants to be the tv champion and there was a, a fan in the crowd that was heckling and even jason harvey was like shut that guy up and um 
you know, then they cut to and Missy Hyatt's, you know, like the roving reporter or whatever, and she she goes over there, and you could clearly tell it was Paul Paulie dangerously. It was a, it was a shit it was disguise. Great, though. I don't it was even great. think it was meant. But it was it was a fun little segment. And Wyndham got up and he went after him, and then he chased him off, and and then you know as Barry Wyndham left, you saw Missy Hyatt in them stockings with that little skirt, and I thought to myself, in 1992, I would have gargled her bathwater. <sighs> Anyhow, we can get that bath drawn for you soon. Uh. <laughs> now I wouldn't. Now I mean, oh my God, she's Jesus Christ. She's like the town pump, yeah. from what I've well, heard. Right. Just I know we're kind of getting off a little topic, but all right, I tagged you in like these wrestling shirts before. You remember those old school wrestling shirts? Oh yes, yes, yeah. The, the, the like the the button down yeah, shirts, button right? Button down like Hawaiian shirts with patterns, but not yep. you know not patterns, but it's like wrestling characters or whatever. So I tagged David in on Facebook and I said, "For when we're in our 60s. But then the yeah. owners of the company responded and said, "Why not now?" <laughs> yeah, they're trying to make a sale. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were trying to make a sale. But, hey, you know what? It's funny. I once went to an indie show in New Jersey with um, uh, Velvet Sky, from uh, who's now working for Ring yeah. of Honor. Uh, she was, date, she was dating um, the, uh, the Hurricane at the time, and we, I rode with them. She was working a, 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 an indie show. It was an all-women's promotion. I don't know if you know them. WSU. No. Uh, okay, so they were like an all-women's promotion, an indie promotion, and they worked like some, like, Elks Lodge or something somewhere in New Jersey and she was the main event against Daphne who was probably the most notable female um, on the roster or in, the, in that locker room at the time from working in WCW and Missy Hyatt was there and Missy Hyatt looked like she looked like shit she looked like she just like left the strip club to like do this spot and then go back to her shift like, she looked awful. She looked terrible. I didn't even recognize her until someone said, that's Missy Hyatt. And I was like, that's not Missy Hyatt. And I, like, had to, like, walk by her later to see. And I was like, holy cow, like, all the fucking Botox she got done. And she just looked, like, so, like, fucking strung out. Like, I don't even know what her issue was. But, yeah, I mean, mm. and she, was, she, was, she, was, she was the apple of my eye as a teenager. Or not as a teenager, as a young I gotta boy. I got to say, I was me. not familiar with her until I got older. Um, until watching the tapes of NWA and WCW. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I was more like, I guess my first introduction was Miss Elizabeth and then Medusa and then <laughs> uh, going from there, I guess uh, uh, Marlena. Um, Marlena okay. was definitely like, I was like, holy shit. She is oh, so yeah. Hot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. We went off on a tangent, but getting back into the day of WCW, the night, I mean, uh, we get a tag team match. It's DDP with Richard Morton. Wow, what a pairing here. They're going against another amazing pairing, Ron Simmons and the Junkyard Dog. What the hell? Wow. Well, I'll say this much, like, I mean... I scratched my, I was never, I never, even as a kid, I did not like when Ricky Morton went heel and went Richard Morton as part of the York yeah, Foundation. This was I odd. hated it. It was very odd. Um, the 
the JYD Ron Simmons team doesn't surprise me, but you know, for as much as you kind of scratching your head and like, huh, what the heck? That crowd was into it. When those two came out, that place lit no, up. I'm not saying like, uh, huh. I'm saying, oh my god, like what, like what a good pairing of teams. Like I like it. Oh, okay. You know, right, like, I, I you. like them. My a mistake. Lot. You know, like I like Ron Simmons yeah. and Junkyard Dog teaming at this time. Like, but uh, you know, JYD was so hot coming into NWA and WCW at this time. Yes. Yes, he was like, it was, you know, and, and being down South and JYD having a following in mid South and Ron Simmons, same thing. Like, you know, down that area, it was like a homecoming yeah, they were, they for were, these guys being faces. It felt like it in many respects. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we get a miscue from Morton to DDP as Morton punches DDP, but it's, it's, it's a good fucking spot. I mean, this is a good match. Uh, Ron Simmons gets, a hot tag and a huge shoulder block. One, two, three. Ron Simmons pins DDP. And the faces go over here. Good stuff. Yeah, crowd was into it, man. They they, they dug it. Um, even though the Morton DDP tag team was kind of thrown together, you know, they, they, they got the people invested in it. Maybe it just goes to show how... You know, no disrespect to DDP and Morton, but maybe it just goes to show how over Junkyard Dog and Ron Simmons were well, in this I was match. Think, I was thinking the same, but I think it's how they all work together. I mean, DDP and Morton gave them a lot, and they worked. I mean, they sold. You know, it was good. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely recommend watching this if you want to see some legends in the ring <laughs> at a random tag team, you know? Um, Johnny B. Bad goes against Joe Cruz next. Johnny B. Bad with a fucking badass tan right now. Like, he is dark as shit. And he's not black at all. I thought he was Me for too. a long time when I was a Me kid. Me too. You know what I found? It, you know, I forgot about that they did. It was Johnny B. Bad used to come out and the fans would stuff dollar bills and like, oh, his they little, did it like, in his garters uh, and his like little tight yeah. his little boot garters and the other thing about this match too was joe cruz with the wrestling cowboy boots like as a kid i used to think that all the wrestlers who wore those wrestler cowboy boots were either related or they were meant to be paired together on tv because they all wore the same part of we're part of the young bloods like i like for real like i thought like you know i saw barry windham i saw dusty Rhodes. like they tagged together from time to time i thought all those cowboy wrestlers were like oh well he wears those same boots like family lineage like they're they're, they're related you know i thought it was yeah that that, that's what my brain was doing at nine years old i agree (laughs) that's how your brain works i mean definitely like papa shango cowboy boots yeah (laughs) um yeah johnny b bad wins with a left punch and he squats down and sits on the chest of Joe Cruz and says, I'm a bad man. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Even though I liked him as a kid, I'm looking back now. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. Uh, yeah, he was a little too uh, too flashy yeah. for me. Then, uh, I mean, still banged Sable before Brock Lesnar. Hey. No, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you uh, you, you can't knock that man. Whew. Holy cow! Jason Hervey is here, and he is annoying as hell, talking about Sting and the Dangerous Alliance. And uh, he's like, 
they messed around with the wrong guy. Like, you know, he's like talking, you know, over Jim Ross as Jim Ross is trying to actually bring logic to this. But uh, we get a recap of Sting from last week's Sunday Night Show. says, I have a broken rib, but I'll be back maybe May 17th at Wrestle War. Okay. And then they show the graphic for Wrestle War, and the word war has barbed wire wrapped around it. Ooh, that's like the first time. Ooh. 1992. Well, yeah, WCW was a little more edgier in that sense than WWF. Yeah, definitely. Um, in 92, but yeah. Um, I mean, standard Sting promo, you're, you know, you're kind of... It was, it was weird, like, looking back on it now... Like why you know he's heavy and he's heavily involved in this stuff with the Dangerous Alliance, but you're clearly telling us that he's got some stuff going on with Vader after this. So it's like it was weird the way they kind of like had Sting like kind of pulled in a couple different directions between the stuff with the Dangerous Alliance and then the stuff with well, Vader. Well, like we said, they had a lot of a lot of times WCW and NWA was famous for congruent storylines you know you have are multiple yep. congruent storylines you know you're like working with two or three different guys but i like that stuff yeah um wasn't too bad and then we get a recap of no 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 we get a recap of nikita saying sting if you need me call me sting yeah uh sting sting <laughs> and nikita they might be friends we'll see and Jim Ross tosses to an incident. It's Paul E. and Medusa talking with Jesse the Body Ventura. They're on a podium in front of fans at some live event where they taped all this. Steamboat has hit Medusa, and now he's sexually harassing Medusa. That's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, they're alleging, that's doing this. Uh, Paul calls yeah. Paul E. dangerously calls him a two-timing sleazy pervert. Wow. Harsh words. Pretty edgy stuff yeah. there. Uh, and <laughs> Medusa says, What do you want, Ricky Steamboat? I don't want you. You can't have me. And then the lights go out. Ricky Steamboat has a torch, and he's in the rafters, kind of like Sting, but he has a, like his nose bandage up. He doesn't have a mask. He should have had a mask on, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that would yeah, that would have been a nice touch, you know, like a dragon um, mask to kind of really, yeah, kind of like almost kind of like that face mask that like Undertaker yes. had when they did the, the the thing when like Yokozuna and Mabel like squashed his yes, face. But he had like a gimmick like yeah. dragon head nearby that was like foam that looked weird as shit. But he's there with fire yeah. in his arms, like a torch, and like blowing fire. Medusa is screaming at him, and she's like. Leave me alone! And Paulie takes off, and Medusa says, Ricky Steamboat, what do you want from me, you woman beater? Wow. <laughs> we, yeah, it was um, it was a it little. It was a I mean, bit much. Yeah, I did like the visual of when like the lights came out and like he had like the two dragons and he was on that balcony that cool. perch it's with cool. like the fire cool. like. I thought it was a pretty cool little segment. I thought like they they tried to they tried to portray Steamboat like in that scene as, you know, that's an act not 
very much like him. Like it's unlike him to, to like do something like a that woman to intimidate. Like intimidate. Yeah. Yeah, but he was like eight hundred fucking feet away in the balcony. Like, what's so scary about that? And she was like, "Leave me alone! Leave he me was alone!" Doing it's like, bitch, his, you could have ran his, away. Yeah, he, was, he was doing his fire breathing show. He was doing yeah. his gimmick. Like, I mean, and you could have ran away. It's not like he was like. It was one thing if he's in your face. Like, he's up in the balcony. Like, why couldn't you just get up and leave? Why did you? If you're so scared, why are you still yelling at him, telling you to leave, telling them to leave you alone? Like, there's there there's yeah. no logic yeah. in that. But the 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 accusations, the the whole you know turning. You know, trying to turn, you know, Steamboat's wife against him. And, you know, that was solid stuff. I, I didn't it mind that. It might have worked in real but, life. you know. As we've talked about. <laughs> that maybe. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, that, that that's up for debate. And we're back but, with Jason Hervey and Jim Ross. And Jason goes, I know Ricky Steamboat. He's a family man. I met his wife and I met his kids. That's a good cover. That's what serial killers do. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Steamboat, yeah, really the serial killer. Sorry. Yeah, you really got it I'm out for kidding. him. I'm fucking around. <laughs> no, I know. Um, then we go to a promo package of Medusa with Rick Rude, who is the U.S. champion. Medusa is his woman, is what he says. And he calls her Goosey throughout. I guess that's her nickname to him. Doocy. Yeah. Goosey. Yeah. Doocy or Goosey? I think it's okay. Ducey, because Medusa, yeah. Ducey, because Shivani calls okay, her that on sorry, his podcast sorry. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, uh, he goes, you chose to have a wife and kid, Ricky. You chose to come for me and my title. But what happens in the ring is my choice. Pretty good. <laughs> okay. I guess. Uh, then we yeah. cut to a match of Big Van Vader against Ronnie Edgewood, who is not a member of Alabama. Um, <laughs> a huge... Who is not a member of Alabama. <laughs> looking like it, like it though. Uh, we'll get into it. We get a huge choke slam spot from Vader, and then he does a scorpion death lock, and Ronnie Edgewood taps out. Um, and then a bunch of jobber guys come out and they get punched and thrown off and then reps refs come out and then they cut it like before it gets too drastic. But this makes Vader look like a fucking beast. Yeah, they were, um, they were clearly, 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 um, building him up to be, you know, the next challenger for staying in the, and the, the WCW world heavyweight title, um, you know, I, I liked how, like, I mean, it was a standard enhancement match for Vader, you know, pummeling the guy. But I liked how, you know, he put the guy in the Scorpion Deathlock and then he didn't let go every time someone came in the ring to stop he him. Like, he still had the up, guy yeah. locked in and he was fucking everyone else up with lefts and right hands. Like, it was, it, I thought it was a pretty cool segment. And, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely made you more interested in the, the impending showdown between him and Sting. Yeah. Um. Then we go to an impending showdown for the NWA Tag Team Championships who actually have just been re-revived like in like real time right now, 2019. Yeah, 2019, yeah. Um, PCO and Brody King are the new NWA Tag Team Champions in real time. After winning, after winning the Crockett Cup last yeah, week. Yeah, and they had like... You know, um, Rock and Roll Express were in there. 
Dem Boys, yep. the Briscoes were in there. And then like the surprise team at the end, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on their names, but it was a good spoiler for a team to be in the end. Um, oh, um, Latimer yes. and, uh, and yes. Royce? Yes. Yeah. Not bad stuff, though. Um, but yeah, just an interesting time to where like we covered it at the beginning of marketing of the days, the second Crockett cup, and then they introduced this Crockett cup. And now this little bit in 1992, which is kind of like a revival of the Crockett cup, but it's a tag team tournament for the NWA tag team titles. Um, we go to Eric Bischoff who tosses to David Crockett who tosses to K. Allen Fry. <laughs> okay. I hate how they always do that, but like, just keep it simple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I like how, like, the beginning, they show, like, all the reporters, mm-hmm. you know, like, talking amongst themselves, and, like, you could barely see little short David Crockett over the <laughs> podium, and he's like, all right, everyone, attention, attention, glad you all right, everyone, be up. quiet, it's time, like, be quiet, it's time for the press <laughs> conference, like, everyone sit down, like, be quiet, like, it was like he was annoyed that yeah, nobody was like, listening to him, so then he I'm, had to, I'm not, know, I'm no Jim, the, I'm no Jim, yeah, yeah, he had to pull out the big guns and tell everyone to be quiet and shut the fuck up. And then but, K. Um, Allen Fry yeah, comes was, out uh, where the like the mics are like aligned for him perfectly. Yeah, they're aligned for him perfectly, and then um, the uh, the Shivani and Jr. who are doing the the presentation of like the the people in the tour, they got the microphone <laughs> cords like attached to their ass like it's a fucking tail. I wasn't I was gonna like, bring that up, but I'm like, glad you the- did. No, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, when did Shivani grow a tail? Like, Jim Ross was and trying like, to was like, like do it and like he you could see he was frustrated and he just like he like whipped his arm away. He was like, fuck it, and just let the shit ride. Yeah, he yeah. tried to hide it. <laughs> he tried to hide it when the camera was on him and then he realized he couldn't. And then Shivani was just like, Ah, oh, fuck this, I'll just leave it, whatever. He didn't yeah. care. You know what I mean? Then he just went about like telling everyone who's in the tournament and mispronouncing people's oh, fucking know. names. And yeah, I will say though, the presentation of it itself with like all the reporters and you know the the, the two Again, announcers sports. going over the bracket, sports, and it looked more legit than any other press conference that you'd see in wrestling, like in WWF. You know when they would do some of those little mini press conferences backstage, like those looked like super stage. This one looked more Definitely. legit. Like I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was well done, despite the fact that Shivani and Ross had had fucking extension cords stuck up their ass the whole time. <laughs> they talk. They talk about um, WCW has acquired the license for NWA to televise their tag team tournament. Wow, it's going to go down June sixteenth at the Clash of Champions. That'll be like the quarter quarter finals, and then. July 12th at Great American Bash, an international event. Uh, It'll go down with the last three rounds. Let's get into the tag teams that are going to be involved. The Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott. A team from Puerto Rico. That's Perez and I think a Bariqua. Um, Then from Canada, Beef Wellington and Chris Benoit. Then... Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger teaming up. And Steve Williams and Bam Bam Gordy going against the Australians, the O'Days. And then a team from Europe, 
Dean Malenko and Joe Malenko, sons of Boris Malenko, going against Nikita Koloff and Ricky Steamboat. Wow. Good stuff on that side of the bracket. Yeah, they had um, some pretty solid teams. I, uh, you know, I, I, I um, just, just if, if those teams were like, like if they just had one bracket instead of two brackets, it would have been, a, you know, a pretty interesting tournament. But um, on the other side, um, they had Akira Nogami, Nogami and, and Hiroshi Hase. Um, you also had um, the Headhunters, who were, I believe those were the two guys from Puerto yes. Rico, correct? From uh, Cologne's territory, yep. the Twins. You had, and, I, and I never knew this until now, until watching this, but you had Silver King 1 and 2. I didn't know there was more than just one Silver Same King. Um, interesting. You had the Freebirds. You had Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton. You had Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. Rick Rude and Steve Austin. And the Z-Man and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Um, so, I mean, this looks to be this looked to have been a pretty um, exciting tournament um, on both sides. Uh, like I said, the whole presentation of itself I thought was very good. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And then we get some aftermath questions of, like, what's the difference between NWA and WCW? And K. Allen Fry talks about that. And he talks about I did like that, too. Yeah, like the, the, the it, you know, fielding questions from the reporters, so to speak, and um, if there's going to be a singles tournament in the NWA. Yeah, I like that, too. Like that. that was really cool. Like bringing up yeah, like the that... revival of that title. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, it, it was definitely very well put together. The whole presentation. Yes, definitely. You ready to get into the main event? It's a two out of three falls match or TV time remaining. It's Arn Anderson <sighs> with Polly dangerously going against big Josh. And this is like, is this big Josh's like send off before he becomes doink? When does he become? Doink? Um, to be honest with you, I really don't know. I want to say he starts as Doink in like the fall of '92. Okay, so like, soon. So, like, it, so yeah, so fairly soon. Yeah, um, I'll be honest with you. Watching this back, um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Big Josh. No, I'm a big Arn Anderson neither. guy, but um, this match was way too long for my liking. Oh um, God, it was really long and basic, and they call it out on like commentary. Jason Hervey and. Jim Ross both say it's a very basic match. Yeah. Like, I uh, mean, you know, the, the guys worked hard, but I was just like, did this have to be two out of three falls? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, like, this was like 30 minutes, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. It was a long time, man. I just didn't get into it. I didn't. And I love Arn Anderson, but I just didn't get into it. Yeah, um, in the heat of the action, Big Josh rolls Arn Anderson and pulls the tights. One, two, three. Jim Ross says, I wish we could show you that again, but we can't. Okay, well, that's the technology of the time. And these dudes are <laughs> severely sweaty throughout this match, too. Like, oh, yeah. I could not take a shower together. Yeah, ugh. it was like dripping. And it must have been really hot in that studio. And I don't know. But, yeah, they talk about the match being basic, and Jason says, high velocity, but, yeah, it's pretty basic. It's like, oh, thanks for coming out, Jason. <laughs> Way to sell <laughs> yeah, the product. Thanks for your contributions, yeah. Exactly. They talk about the Wonder Years being on season six, and uh, Big Josh punches Arn, and Jason Hervey says, Arn must, feeling, must be feeling the Wonder Years right now. That's a nice segue, huh, Jim? 
no, that's not oh, the way a segue God. works. You have to like work that in before he mentions oh. that. So you do it in reverse. Yeah. You could tell Jim Ross was getting so annoyed with Jason throughout this. Oh yeah. Especially at the end when he hugs him and JR just kind of like makes this like funny face and he's like, all right, we'll see you tomorrow on WCW Pro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, then they, then they roll credits and that was the end of it. Yeah. The, the guest, you know, host experiment at this time for WCW, I felt like they got the wrong guys. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, even as, as good as Bill Fralick was the week prior, um, you know, JR was doing the majority of the legwork. Um, yeah, I don't you know, know the, what was what was Jason Hervey's deal, but earlier in the match, he's talking about like, who was that guy with the with the boas? And Jim Ross is like, who who are you talking about? He's like, I, I don't know if it was Johnny B. Bad, uh, Je- and and Jim Ross goes Jesse Ventura. He's like, maybe it was Johnny B. Bad. I don't know. Where is he? Wow. And Jim Ross goes, uh. I don't know. Why would Johnny B. Bad be out here right now? He just had a match earlier. It's like, that's crazy. what the fuck are you talking about? Like, dude, like, shut up. Like, yeah, uh, they were trying to get the big bucks, like having a, you know, a, a B-level celebrity, if you will, around that time. Who was, by the yeah, way, probably making know- millions. But, um, yeah. You know, coming in, like, being a fan, quote-unquote, who he does, he, like, he actually quotes Gordon Sully and um, another uh, Lance Russell. So, yeah, he he says, he's got a a lot of intestinal fortitude, right, Jim? And Jim's like, hmm, yeah. And then he goes, big swing into the ropes, which is Lance Russell. And Jim's like... That was Gordon Soley, and uh, that was Lance Russell, folks. It's like, fuck. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's why they don't need to. Honestly, that's why they don't need to. They, it, yeah. If, it, you're, if you're not, if you're going to. I'm he, not going to go any further. It's and sucked. then he goes deeper. <laughs> he goes deeper. Uh, all right. I'm getting deeper into it. We have Big Josh pulling out a figure four out of nowhere. And then Big Josh and Arn Anderson collide. And Big Josh has a cut over his eye. Jason Hervey says, Arn must have uh, really stiffed him on that one. Wow. 1992, everybody. Must have really stiffed him on that one. And then we get a huge yeah. spine buster. One, two, three. Arn Anderson wins the uh, best two out of three falls match. It's good. It was It was good for the very ending. But, yeah, like this was way too long and basic. Um, then we get a promo at the end of Barry Windham and Steve stunning Steve. They're going to have a rematch, uh, next week from their match last week that went to a TV time limit draw. And, uh, then all of a sudden Randy Owen from Alabama, actually Randy Owen from Alabama, the group, um, he'll be here next week too. And I could have sworn he was Ronnie Edgewood, but. Uh, like I said, I wasn't, uh, you know, it was too long for me. Um, I just didn't, I I didn't have any real interest in it, this, this main event. And like I said to you earlier, the two guys having no issues and being randomly put together, I think is something that should be brought back in today's wrestling. However, in this instance, in 1992, 
I didn't really care for Big Josh. No. So, yeah. therefore, I didn't have any interest in this match because I didn't care for him. And even if it was just randomly the two of them getting thrown together, didn't really work for me. What do you think about next week's match, the rematch of Barry Windham and Steve Austin going in another two out of three falls match? Yeah, I mean, very excited because uh, they, ha- you know, they they got you know uh, issues from the week before with the, the the TV time limit and the finish of that two out of three falls match. So um, I like that they're revisiting that, um, and they're they're at, at pretty quickly too. They're not waiting to 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 do the rematch. So I, I thought like that, that was a uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting how they just kind of you know threw that out there. Like next week, you know, the their issues aren't settled yet, but they're going to be settled. The, you know, two out of three falls for the rematch for the TV title. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that overall, um, with the exception of the main event of this Saturday night, um, everything else I thought from a from a storyline, you know, a storytelling perspective, um, was at a good pace, and there seemed to be more important moments. Um, you know, from this show than from superstars. So if if we're gonna go with, you know, who gets the victory this week, I'm giving it to Saturday Night again, even though I didn't care for the main event because I thought the issues and the storytelling was uh, consistent and very much on par. Um, I'm gonna go with Saturday. Uh, I mean, superstars. Really? Okay. Yeah, I like the uh, the continuing. Storyline of Martel and Tatanka, Shawn Michaels challenging Bret Hart, um, Macho Man challenging uh, Ric Flair, um, getting a lot of setup here, and then we could have had continuing story with Undertaker, which I mean we thought at the time maybe you know he was going through a list of guys to get to the top again, and then possibly yeah. battle against Sid, which could have been cool, and then we get the. Um, the um the little bit of uh WBF here. Ugh. No, just kidding. But I, I, I don't know. I think it was easier to watch superstars for me. So for for this week I will go with superstars. Okay. Fair enough. Alright, so we're at a stalemate. Yeah. That's okay though. It's okay. That's all right. It's okay. Um so yeah, we'll be back next week, huh? Yeah, next week, uh, Superstars is going to be headlined by Ric Flair going up against Sergeant Slaughter. Um, and we'll, we'll finally reveal, you know, uh, the, the convict, uh, who the convict's oh, going God. to be. Um, and then uh, over on WCW Saturday night, we'll have a rematch for the television title, like we just mentioned earlier, Barry Windham and Stunning Steve Austin. All that taking place next week here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. Yeah. WCW Saturday night versus WWF Superstars. Yeah, and about two weeks away from Wrestle War for WCW, so they're going to have a lot of storytelling going on, I guess, for pushing the, uh, pushing the stories in a way to get to yeah. Wrestle War. The, yeah, uh, for sure. Which would be the inevitable War Games match. Yeah, which would be awesome. One of my favorite, one of my favorite War Games of all time is that match between the Dangerous Alliance against Sting Squadron. Um, I even, I used to have that old, the the old WCW magazine that had the double cover with both teams on each side. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I used to have it when I was a kid. I don't have it anymore, but that was. Uh, I remember when that came out and I saw it in the store, I was like, I had to have that magazine. Because I just thought, dope. like, the the double cover was cool. Yeah. So. I love stuff like that. Um, 
just brings me back. Well, Dave, we did it again. Episode two of Weekend Warriors. I love it. Um, the showdown continues. You liked Saturday night. I liked Superstars. We finally got like a contrasting opinion here on our show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll agree some weeks. Some weeks we'll disagree, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll 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 see we'll see who scores the victor at the end of this season between Superstars and Saturday Night. Definitely, definitely. I enjoy it no matter what, and I can't wait for May 9th, which will be the next episode that'll be dropping May 11th, as we drop every Saturday morning here. Saturdays are for wrestling. And you can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Facebook at Retromania with a W at the beginning. You can find us on Twitter at Retromania POD. You can write to us at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. And you can always find Dave over at Kicking Out at Two. Dave, run them down. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. You can also find us on Twitter at kicking out two K I C K N O U T and the number two. Hit the like button on Facebook. Give us a follow on Twitter. Be a part of all the nostalgic pro wrestling fun we're having over there. Uh, next week, talk shows. Or I'm sorry, this week talk shows. We're gonna you know talk them into the seats with all the great talk shows in, in wrestling history. Cousin Wild Bill Brown and I had a lot of fun doing that. And then next week, Squared Circle Cinemas, where we discuss some of the biggest names in professional wrestling history to hit the silver screen. And uh, you know, let's see what their acting chops are all about. Uh, you know, so stay tuned for that next week. Yes, definitely, definitely. And you can find everything launching on Podbean, the archive of Kicking Out at Two, the archive of Retromania, the archive of Gaijin Wrestling Radio, and all the new shows coming up. The Run In and Cool Down with AC will be premiering this month on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So stay tuned and look us up on Podbean and search Retromania with a W. Um, and like, listen, rate, review, subscribe, share. That's the only way we're going to grow. Um, we appreciate all the help. So, yeah, definitely, Dave. I will catch you next week for Marking Out the Days, Weekend Warriors. Look forward to it. Same here, brother. Catch you later. All right.